Hello, my name is Katherine Moore, social worker, mom, coffee lover, and founder of Social Workers Rise, where we inspire social workers to connect, expand their knowledge, and change more lives than they ever thought possible. I'm so excited you found my podcast. We will talk everything social work on every level from micro to macro. We will hear the stories of social workers who are doing big things, learn new skills, and most importantly, give you actionable steps to make a difference today. Let's go. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Social Workers Rise. It is your host, Catherine here. I am so excited and so grateful that you are here with me today. So I cannot believe that it is almost Thanksgiving. What the heck? This year went by so fast. I feel like it was almost like a whirlwind. (laughs) There's so many things that happened this year. A lot of really great things that happened, um, at least for me and for Social Workers Rise. We, in case you haven't heard, we have actually been named one of the top 10 social work podcasts in the world. What? I When I heard that, my mind was blown. That is so wild. So I'm so grateful. And I'm really grateful to you if you've ever reached out or just given me a little note about what you enjoyed about the episodes or how the conversations here have helped you in your social work career. I've heard from multiple people that It's just helped to open their mind to the possibilities of what you can do with your social work degree to really inspire them to think bigger than what they're currently doing and to dream bigger. And that is such a beautiful thing. It gives me chills just thinking about the untapped power that we have as social workers. And this week is Thanksgiving. So, of course... I am reminded of all of the things that I am thankful for and practicing gratitude. It is one of the healthiest and most energizing thing that we can do for ourselves is to just pause, reflect, and be thankful, be grateful for the things that you have accomplished, for the people that you have met, for the experiences that you've had both good and bad. And I'm especially grateful for social workers because you show up day after day for people who society has basically shunned. You hear of difficult situations and conversations that need to be had and you say, sign me up. This is what I have been trained for. And most of society would say, I don't want to get involved with that. But you, my friends, you are different. You say, oh my gosh, yes, let me please do what I can do to try to help the situation, to try to help this person, and let's really maximize on their strengths. And the people that we work with a lot of times especially when we're in in the government, in the county, uh, working with kids who, you know, have had trauma and, ha- and that comes out in behavior issues, 
working with people who are homeless or have struggle with addiction, you know, a lot of times society has written them off. And you, on the other hand, say, no, there's healing that can be done here if the person is ready and open and willing. So I think that is such a beautiful thing. And I'm just so grateful for you and the work that you do and the energy that you give to everybody during your work. You are a giver. And a common theme that I've seen is that social workers just love to give of themselves. They love to love on others. And we often do this at the expense of our own love or our own self-care, right? Which self-care I think is such a a shallow word. It doesn't encompass the deep amount of soul care that we really, really need when we encounter these people in difficult situations who may be struggling and, and, you know, just need more tools and how to help themselves. So we really, really need additional support. And that kind of leads me into our guest for today. Our guest for today is a actually a business coach, and she is also a social worker, Nicole Liola. Le, Le, I totally butchered it. Nicole Leola, and I'm sorry, Nicole, if I said that wrong. <laughs> but we are talking with Nicole about how we self sabotage, and of course, it's not intentional, but we, it really boils down to like the stories and the beliefs that we have or that we've learned or that we have been exposed to throughout our lives and especially during our time as social workers in social work programs. You know, what are these stories that really play in our minds and how are they really impacting, you know, our lives, our success and our income? Because let's be real, social work is expensive and we need to make the income that we deserve. We are extremely valuable in the workplace. And Nicole is such a beautiful soul because she really helps her clients recognize their value and really how to how to make the most of that. She has a whole program that she'll talk about. But I'm so excited to hop into this. Um, Before we get to Nicole, we're going to hear a short ad from the sponsor, which is the Rise Directory, which is another awesome thing. I completely (laughs) didn't even mention another awesome thing that's happened this year is we launched the Rise Directory. And this has been such a labor of love of mine that when I started, when I started looking into providing clinical supervision, there was... It was, it's a hot mess. Okay. Each state is different. And then if you're a social worker, it's different than if you're a counselor. So I really just wanted to focus in on social workers specifically to connect them with other social workers, other LCSWs who can provide clinical supervision. So the way the laws are set up right now, I actually can't provide clinical supervision, um, which sucks. But I think that it is a really, really good thing because it allows me to build out this, I think it's going to be like an association 
type of program. Right now, it's a membership site for clinical supervisors in the United States who are open to supervising social workers. So with that said, you don't necessarily have to be an LCSW to join, depending on your state, right? So I know Florida, for example, you can only be supervised by a social work LCSW. However, here in California, you can get a portion of your hours by a psychotherapist or by a counselor, by someone other than a social worker, but there is still a large percentage of your hours that you need specifically with an LCSW. So you can join the directory if you are able to supervise social workers in your state. And that, that is a beautiful thing. I'm so excited for it because we need these connections. We need these relationships. We need these resources for clinical supervisors too, because as I was doing the research, there's really not a whole lot of resources or tools specifically geared for clinical supervision. I mean, there's a lot for doing therapy and different modalities. However, when it comes to our core foundation of our practice, there's, it, it's minimal. It's disappointing. It's disheartening. And I am not okay with this. And we're going to do something about it. So the RISE directory is one, starting as a directory. Two, we're building out our library of resources on the website. I have a, a team to help me with that because I'm, I'm not a tech person, you guys. I do my best, but it is a struggle. So I need people to help me. Um, and then if you have resources that you have either used during your clinical supervision or if you are a supervisor and you have tools that you especially like, even if you have a contract that you came up with, a way for tracking your hours, any of these little tools that you have can really, really help a lot of people. Definitely feel free to send them my way. The contact links are in the show notes. So I know this is a longer introduction than normal, but I just wanted to give you a little update on how, how we've been, how grateful I am for you. And, and also too, I wanna let you know where we're going. So next week, we're gonna be talking about the power of breath work and really embodying self-care. After that, important update about the student loan forgiveness program. They made some changes today. We're going to find out what that is starting in December. And then the rest of December is going to be updates about the field of social work that have come out, different studies and research and numbers about how are we doing as an industry and really, you know, how to set goals going forward. So I'm not going to wait until January to start setting my goals or to start thinking about it. So at the end of December, we're going to do a talk on that, on what that looks like for you and how to set goals that you want to keep, that you're passionate about, that you're energized about and get you a little strategy for doing that. So that is it for the intro. Let's listen to this quick ad and then we'll hop right into the interview. Let's go.
This episode is proudly brought to you by the RISE Directory, a national directory of clinical supervisors who are dedicated to helping the next generation of clinical social workers grow in their clinical skills. The link is in the show notes. Check it out and tell every clinical supervisor you know about this directory. Hello, Nicole. Welcome to the Social Workers Rise podcast. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're welcome. I'm glad we were finally able to connect after, you know, months of kind of going back and forth on social media. So here we are. (laughs) We are. um, This episode will air, you know, just in time for the new year. So we are perfect Sorry, let me rephrase that. (laughs) This is the perfect topic (laughs) to go forward in the new year, overcoming sabotage, because there were so many things that happened in 2020, 2021 that may have unknowingly led to our own sabotage or just areas that we can improve on going forward in 2022 to really just level up, accomplish our goals, and just be successful or just be less stressed out and enjoy life more. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about this topic because I think too, you know, as social workers, and I'm sure there's some counselors out there too, I think that we're so focused on others and taking care of them and taking care of their mindset and making sure their needs are taken care of. Ours get put on the back burner and we do um, unknowingly have ways we self-sabotage our ability to go after what we want. Yes, yes. Our empathy and caring for others is a strength until it turns into our biggest weakness. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) So first, let's start off. Tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Yeah, so I am actually now a business consultant and strategist for primarily women service providers. Um, So a lot of therapists with their own private practice, other health and wellness professionals um, who, you know, have a business, are providing services as their business, taking care of others. And I help them actually create more income and grow their business um, so that they can actually support more people and make more money, but without working harder, Um, which is something, again, (laughs) that goes exactly against our training in grad school and places like that or, you know, our agency jobs. If, If anyone has an agency job like I did, where it was like, see more people, do more paperwork, um, it's not more hours. It's not more pay. It's just like increase everything, make your life harder, make your job harder, um, you know, and get very little money for it. Yes, that triggered so many different thoughts for me. I mean, one, it's not just our agencies, but it's America, right? That's mm-hmm. the culture that we are brought up with, like work mm-hmm. hard to be successful. Mm-hmm. But that's not necessarily true (laughs) yeah absolutely Uh, and then when we do that at work when our boss is like oh see more people do more do it faster uh, but we're not going to pay you anymore and then they 
gaslight you into thinking that it's your fault for not being efficient, for Mm -hmm. not working fast enough. And, you know, maybe you're not cut out for this field. And it's, uh, it's just a terrible cycle. Yeah. And I mean, I think even too, not even, even just the like financial piece and the financial stress when we're paying off massive grad school loans, like, you know, I went to Columbia, I left with, you know, over, you know, $80,000 worth of grad school loans, um, you know, and then my first job and you needed a master's degree for it. Um, you know, I was making $37,000 in New York City. I had to have five roommates just to be able to afford a place to live. And, you know, you just can't even financially invest in your own self-care. Um, you know, you come home and you're burnt out and it's hard to even afford to get dinner out with friends or, you know, back then I definitely was never, you know, even getting my nails done or, you know, investing in, you know, exercise or anything like that or wellness. And I didn't have money for vacations, you know. So I think that truthfully, not only does it make it hard for us to live and struggle financially, like, again, we can't even replenish ourselves. And not to say that everything, you know, to replenish ourselves costs money, but like, why can't we even spend money to replenish ourselves, you know? Yeah, it's true. There's so many different uh different topics that you're touching on as far Mm -hmm. as like low pay and overworked and um and all of this leads to burnout right because you know Mm -hmm. as you as a as a new person at a grad school you're trying your best but honestly Mm -hmm. you have to work your tushy off in order to just survive yeah and truthfully you know and what ends up happening is for those of us you know so many of us social workers like I was a clinical social worker so you know my first job was an agency I had to um in New York work there for I had to make sure to have three years of clinical experience and supervision in order to qualify for my um LCSW which meant that I would be able to have a private practice someday and you know I don't even know if that time I don't remember I remember I I for sure wanted that option and saw it as a possibility for my future, but I wasn't necessarily, um, you know, focused on that, but I still obviously, you know, wanted to hit that next level in my career. So, you know, but now I work with a lot of, again, social workers and counselors and what happens, unfortunately, we move into our own business. And this is sort of what happened to me. We move into our own business because we want freedom. We want flexibility. We want to recover. Most of us have severe burnout, you know, from those jobs. We weren't supported. I mean, I had, I know some people obviously are very lucky and get good support and supervision, but unfortunately, like the leadership and my agency sucked. Like they didn't support us. You know, they didn't help us become leaders. And if you kind of address struggles or things that you saw that could be done differently, like they sort of pushed it under, you know, pushed it under the rug and like didn't support you in changing things, which I think is hard because again, we are, you know, as therapists and social workers, we go out there to make a difference. And then we're sort of, you know, not encouraged to. So it really does affect us um, just energetically. It causes burnout. Um, It makes us feel unheard. And it does like affect our own self-worth and self-esteem, which is sometimes why we sabotage our opportunities for more success later. 
And, you know, so that's really a big piece of why I do what I do now. Yeah. So what do you mean when you say sabotaging? Like what, what does that look like? What exactly do you mean when you say that? Yeah. So when I talk about sabotages, I talk a lot about like mindset blocks and money blocks. And there's just these like beliefs we have, like, you know, again, when I was in grad school, um, you know, we heard a lot from professors and, you know, our super, um, our supervisors and stuff that like, there's no money in social work, right? Like Mm -hmm. there's no money in social work and, you know, you're doing it to help people and like, you know, people who make money are selfish and things like that. So you start to kind of get these beliefs that you don't even realize it's like, could be a false belief you just really see it as truth and reality so then maybe when you go into a job or when you um start your own business like you sabotage yourself because you don't believe you're worth more money so you can really sabotage again your ability to charge well for things um to get fees you deserve to feel like you need to take on any client um things like that you know we set ourselves up for more stress we sabotage you know, our opportunities for more flexibility because we kind of just repeat what we've learned without realizing it. Mm-hmm. That is so wild that you said that because everything, all of those toxic narratives that you just listed out, I am in California and I felt that too. So mm-hmm. this is, you know, an industry, probably worldwide conversation mm-hmm. that's happening. And that was a big reason why I started this podcast because I was about to quit. I was so sick and tired of not being paid good, of just feeling like I should be, quote, should be burnt out to be mm-hmm. a good social worker. You know, it means I'm not working hard enough or something. I don't know. It sounds wild yeah. to say. But it's it's so true. And I was like, this is a complete BS. Like, this mm-hmm. needs to change. And we deserve so much better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think too, you know, and I'm from, um, you know, I lived in New York city at the time and I live in New Jersey now, right outside of New York city. So for sure in general too, um, there is that push, push, push lifestyle Mm -hmm. (laughs) in general that is exhausting. And, you know, I think again, like we unknowingly set that up. And I remember like, you know, just a little bit more about my backstory. Like I did last at that job for three years and like, you know, it wasn't just me that was miserable. It was all my coworkers that were miserable, you know? So it wasn't just like a me issue, but also that, you know, ends up contributing to the burnout and the belief because you know how it is. Like you go out to happy hour with your coworkers, you talk to your coworkers every day, and then you go out to happy hour. You know, I love to socialize with my coworkers and become friends with them. But then you're like bitching about work outside of that and your (laughs) boss and how unsupportive it is. So like you're kind of just like continually exposing yourself to that narrative over and over again. Um, and you know, I did leave my job and, you know, after I got the three hours for the clinical license, I left, um, I took time off to travel and volunteer in South America. And, you know, I kind of was just like, I'm gonna have to come back. I'm gonna have to get a job again, you know, in an agency, like, you know, I wasn't really looking at a private practice at that time. I was also just trying to get my license transferred to New Jersey, which like, 
you know, if I'm sure in every state, the boards suck. And like, this was, a, you know, again, like, it wasn't even like, it, it wasn't like it was 1980. But like, I literally like had to call up for an application, which like, you can't get through to anybody, or I had to write a letter. And I was like, so resistant. <laughs> write a letter. Because <laughs> I was like, are they kidding? I have to be able to get through on a phone. And why isn't it online? So I could just print it off. This is insanity, you know? Um, but no, I, like literally I was so burnt out. And I think this like was a sabotage, but also a protector was that like, I could, I didn't have the energy to write the letter. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I did not have the energy to write a letter. So like, truthfully, the burnout caught up with me. Um, I think a lot of times, again, when you're in that go, go lifestyle and you're giving to everybody else, like when you do take a pause, like I did to travel and see that other culture. And then when I came home, it was like, I just collapsed. Do you know what I mean? Like I collapsed and I had no energy and like I wasn't functioning, but like I couldn't see it in that moment. Like I told myself this narrative of like, oh my gosh, I'm lazy. Like I don't like the nine to five, like something's wrong with me. Everybody likes nine to fives. And I was also kind of surprised too, because I was someone who always loved working and having a job, you know, like I worked from a young age. I had multiple jobs at times and summers. Like I loved it. Like I loved making money and saving money. And truthfully, I ended up, not that I had a lot of savings anyway anymore as a social worker, because, you know, you're living paycheck to paycheck. But during that time where I couldn't even function, like I really got down to the bottom of my bank account and freaked out and was like, oh my gosh, like I have to get it together. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I ended up being very lucky and like starting to find work. And I ended up kind of freelancing as a social worker, which is weird back then. But I think, you know, more people have those opportunities where I had, I did have a part-time job, um, for, um, an organization that did continuing education for health professionals specializing in multiple sclerosis. So it was really nice. I did like a lot of the program development around continuing education. I got to travel a bit. It was part-time. Ironically, it was, um, the director was also the director of my first internship in grad school at a multiple sclerosis center. So I got it through that connection, which was nice. And it was nice because it was like a different kind of work. It's all about Um, who you know. Yeah, absolutely. And building those relationships. And, you know, then I did pick up other, other opportunities. I did case management. Again, it's who you know, like I did case management um, as a contractor um, for the National MS Society in New Jersey, which was really cool because I would like drive to the patient's houses and help them navigate some resources and things like that. Um, and then I also did... Um, intensive work in home with kids who were struggling with mental health issues. So basically it was an agency that would assign me cases and you would see the kids for two hours a week in their home. So I could take as many clients as I basically wanted that could fit in my schedule. So I really did work sort of a flexible schedule. Um, you know, I was, I was basically an entrepreneur. I didn't realize it at that time, you know, So that's kind of how I got more into the business thing and even, you know, having multiple income streams and not feeling like you need to be reliant on seeing a million clients a week. Right. And I think even just having multiple income streams is another way like, so, okay, backtracking to the sabotage, right? So uh, we don't make money. We're going to be miserable. So when you come into the field, you are expecting 
to not make money and to be mm-hmm. miserable. And so your expectations are so low that you, and then us as humans, we achieve our standards, right? Mm-hmm. Like whatever it is that we must have, we are going to have it. So if we feel like this bare standard just to get a job and be grateful for any kind of pennies they offer you, you're not even going to consider how am I going to negotiate this job offer? You know, mm-hmm. what, what else am I going to ask for? Am I going to keep looking for a job that that is going to pay me what I need to live the life that I want? Or am I going to look for other opportunities and create other income streams because Money is not evil. That's a lie that they tell us. Mm -hmm. I like to think of money as an amplification of who you are. So if you are good and you have good intentions, then you will use your money for good and for good intentions. Um, So I'm, I'm wondering, you know, with all of these different stories that we've been told and that we internalize, especially as social workers, you know, what are some ways that we can stop this from happening? Like what are ways that we could overcome this, this self-sabotage? Yeah. Well, first of all, I think it's um, important to really assess like what we can control or work on. And obviously we can't control everything, right? Like, but you know, are we even opening ourselves up for opportunities for more, right? Like, are we trying to, and again, like this sucks for us as social workers and as women, because we're not, we're not supported in doing this, you know? And it's like, are you asking for a raise? Are you showing them all the work you do, right? Like, are you even asking for that opportunity or are we kind of in the mindset like where it's like, oh, we get what we get, you know, and Mm -hmm. that's it, you know? Um, So I think it's definitely starting to say like, hey, what in this situation can I try to do differently? And I think it's also really important when assessing these like self-sabotages and a lot of them are just really mindset blocks and learning to look at things in a different way and, you know, not carrying on our stories and experiences with us. So like, you know, family stuff, like what are family beliefs around work, you know, that you've picked up on that you don't even realize, like, you know, did you see your parents? like you know working their butts off and saying like you have to work hard for money and um you know or like that there's never enough money you know that kind of thing so what kind of beliefs did you pick up around that right and you know I think so much too like we don't set clear goals for ourselves you know it's just kind of like again it's like okay get this job whatever they're in control of how much money I make already found out I'm not going to make a lot of money you know um So I think it's, again, like really seeing like, what can I do differently? How can I change this? And making sure then, you know, when we move on to the next thing that we don't, again, just repeat those patterns that we try different things and we learn to like set specific goals for us and ourselves and really like kind of break down how we can achieve them. So it sounds like, just to recap, it sounds like, one, we need to be aware of what these stories are, how they may be showing up for us, and then two, just be open to other opportunities or figure out how we can fix our situation, what is in our control and what is not in our control, and then set goals from there. Is that is that what I'm hearing? <sighs> 
I think it's like setting. Yeah. I think it's like looking at our stories. Um, I think honestly, it's actually like setting goals first, right? Like, what do we really want? Like, do we want a new job? Do we want to, you know, go into our own business? And if we do, like, what do we want that to really look like? Right. Um, like, what do we want the job to look like? What kind of work environment do we want it to have? You know, things like that. Or, you know, for me, for my business and my clients, you know, like some of, a lot of them are just kind of like, oh, it'd be nice to make this, but like, there really is no clear plan. They don't know why they chose that number. You know, a lot of times it's the hundred K number, you know, which truthfully, I feel like as business owners, we actually need to make more because, taxes and expenses and all that fun stuff take out a big chunk of it but it seems like so much money compared to what we're getting paid at our jobs you know that it seems impossible so we sort of set a random number but then we don't really create a plan to go after it and when you have that goal like you can start to see some of those like mindset beliefs and and blocks that cause us to sabotage right so if we already feel like you know there's no job out there that's going to meet your needs. Like you're probably not going to even really look that well (laughs) for one, right? Like, are you going to spend time on Indeed? Are you going to research the companies? Are you going to reach out to your personal network, your professional network and ask them if they know of anything and let them know what you're looking for, right? Um, So that could be like a way that block comes up because you don't, really even believe it's out there or possible, you know, so you don't even look for it or go after it. Right. Yeah. I've seen that so much where people say, Oh, I want a new job. And I ask them, you know, what, what do you want? I'll help you. Um, and they don't know. Yeah. And I've, I've seen on the other side too, where I, I tell my coaching clients, you know, tell me exactly what your dream job is Mm -hmm. going to look like. And lo and behold, I shit you not like within two, three months, they had that ideal job, like the perfect job for them. And it's like, once you put it in your mind, what you're looking for, then your mind is able to be extra alert to opportunities. It picks up on conversations. You'll catch it on the internet. Like, oh, that sounds exactly like what I'm looking for. But if you don't know what you're looking for, then you're kind of just grasping at anything that comes along. Yeah, exactly. And I think too, it's funny, like one thing I want to touch on is what you said about like the job thing. And I have like, actually, you know, sometimes you get tired of hearing your friends say the same thing over and over. And I remember, you know, again, I had like left my job. um, Once I was still at that miserable job, but my friend was constantly complaining. And I was like, I did a search for her. And I was like, here. Why don't you apply for this? And sure enough, she got it. Did she ever acknowledge it? No. But like then another friend, it was my coworker and she was supposed to quit the same time as me. And then she just stayed. Right. Mm -hmm. And she's like, well, I can't find this. I can't find this. So I did a search, sent her a thing. She got the job. You know what I mean? So again, Mm -hmm. it's just like not even putting that work into it. And, you know, it does become that like sabotage where we can't we can't find it. We can't go after it. We can't ever see it. And I think too, it's hard because we really have blind spots, right? Just like we help our clients with their blind spots. 
we have them too. And, you know, I know for sure, like investing in coaching myself has helped me so much because I just didn't see things were possible or it was like, I can't do this. That's that I've tried, you know, kind of stuff. Like I tried that already. It doesn't work. And like, sometimes you have to do it again and you have to have this person just help you tweak little things and point things out to you and point out that that story is like you've done for your clients with the jobs. And I see a huge difference even with my clients, just initially, like a lot of times we go through that like goal process, goal setting process, um, that I, that I teach them and suddenly they're like, oh, wow, I'm actually really close to that. Or, oh my gosh, I actually do see how I could reach that. And, you know, they might've not gone after it really, or just kind of missed opportunities because they didn't even realize it was possible. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. That's so powerful. And I, I thank you for sharing your experience. Cause I feel like you are a perfect example of how you can be a social worker continue to help other people and make income. I'm a firm believer that income and impact are not two different things. You can have them together. So thank you for everything that you do. Well, thank you. And I really do believe like that was one of my blind spots that I had to change. And one of my beliefs where, you know, I really had to change the story around the fact that like, if you're making money, it means you're kind of a bad person, right? Mm -hmm. Like, because you're taking money from people and that kind of thing. So I really had to work to change the story around that. And I also had to work to change the story where like, you know, what I really view money is, is that it's just a tool. Like I can actually do more for others when I can take care of myself and don't have to worry about my bills. And like, I can donate more. I can support causes I believe in financially. And, you know, again, that's what I like about figuring out how to make more money without having to, again, like only see more one-to-one clients each week, because then I have that time to like volunteer or, you know, do whatever I want or, take on clients who can't afford as much without Mm -hmm. me being resentful about it. Right. Yep, exactly. And I used to think the same thing that if I had money, then it's not right or fair to my clients who are struggling, but that's not true at all. Like what my actions do Mm -hmm. have no impact on what they do. So I'm not taking any money away from anybody. I mean, they're printing money like (laughs) wild right now. And so there is plenty of money for all of us. Mm -hmm. And just having it, it does give you more power. And my, my ultimate dream, Nicole, is to create my own foundation that goes to help social workers. And I really want to eliminate the barriers of entry into this field because it's so expensive. Mm-hmm. So that is my my dream and my goal is to create a foundation specifically for social workers. And you got to have money to do that. Yeah. And I... And I love that I've seen you talk about that before. And I just love that you're so passionate about that and putting that project into the world. I'm putting the I'm putting it out there. I don't know how it's gonna happen or what it's well, like. Well, I will help there. you set the goal for that and create that action plan. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I feel like it's my five year, ten year action plan. <laughs> you can't make it happen if you don't call it out, right? It's true. It's true. <laughs> um, was there anything that we should add or that we missed as far as you know sabotage and overcoming self sabotage? 
I mean, I think the other thing to just be careful with is like, who are you spending time with? Um, Because again, you know, if we're, you know, at our job or in social work school and we're with other people with these beliefs, you know, one thing I constantly hear, sadly, from, you know, my therapist clients or, you know, even other service providers is like, like this cruelty almost from other business owners and therapists who are like, you can't do that. You can't charge that much. It's too hard. No one will pay that. So you also have to really be careful about who you're listening to and not taking in their blocks. Mm -hmm. It's true because that's their belief. They believe that no one is going to pay them that price. However, Mm -hmm. there are people who will pay your prices. Mm Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm so passionate about that, that I know you're part of my um, Facebook group, Therapist Entrepreneurs, and I actually have like a no lack mindset rule. Like if you start telling people on posts that they're not going to make money or they're charging too much or there's people that won't pay that, I will remove you. I don't care. (laughs) I will call you out on it and I will remove you because there are enough therapist groups like that out there. Like we need ones that, that where there are not people doing that. Right. Yeah, exactly. Because mental health affects people, like no matter your income, your economic level, your background, your ethnicity, your location, mental health affects everybody. And there is nothing wrong with wanting to help people who maybe they are CEOs or business owners or Mm -hmm. world leaders or celebrities Mm -hmm. or athletes. Like there's nothing wrong wanting to help those people too. We don't only have to help people who are, are low income. Right. And there's a population for you. So I love it. I love the conversation. I love the perspective that you bring. So thank you so much, Nicole. Where can people find you and how can they work with you? Yeah, well, I definitely recommend um, that you come to the Therapist Entrepreneurs Group on Facebook because there are, you know, newer therapists, there are, you know, people who are still students, and it's just a great place to be surrounded by other you know, therapists and service providers who are committed to building bigger businesses and helping more people. Um, So feel free to join us there. You could just put it in the search bar on Facebook, Therapist Entrepreneurs, and it'll pop up. Um, And then the other thing I would say is, um, you know, we were talking about goal setting and things like that. And I actually have a free tool called the Consistent Income Generator. So totally Sign up for that at NicoleLaloya.com slash CIG. And then you'll be part of my um, email community. So you will be able to connect with me that way and find out how we can work together if that's something that interests you. Awesome. And these links are in the show notes. So you don't have to like (laughs) stop driving or whatever. (laughs) But uh, they're in the show notes. Definitely connect with Nicole. She is a wealth of information. Uh, Thank you so much, Nicole, for your time. I really appreciate you being here. Thanks again for having me. I'm so excited we got to talk about this. Yes, definitely. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Social Workers Rise. If you loved it, please 
open up your iTunes, tap the five stars and leave a short note on why you love listening to the Social Workers Rise podcast. Also, if you want to share it on social media, I absolutely love it. You have me fangirling all over you. Take a screenshot and share it and tag me at Social Workers Rise on Instagram and Facebook. Lastly, just want to leave a little bit of legal disclosure here that the information, opinions, and recommendations presented in the Social Workers Rise podcast are for general information only, and any reliance on the information provided in this podcast is done so at your own risk. This podcast should not be used in place of professional advice, therapy, or clinical supervision. And with that, my friends, I'll talk to you next week.